Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. September 23rd, 2007 was a routine race day at the Texas Motorplex outside Dallas. John Force and Kenny Bernstein, both drag racers at the top of their game in the funny car class, rolled to the starting line for the second race of the National Hot Rod Association's six-race countdown to the championship series. The two veteran drivers launched at the green lights as their 500 cubic inch engines pushed close to 7,000 horsepower down to the slicks. The sound was deafening as the men rocketed down the straights. Then. Just before the finish line, Bernstein's car torqued hard and swerved slightly over the center line, instantly disqualifying the Monster Energy-sponsored Dodge Charger. The race was over, but these two snarling beasts of automobile innovation couldn't slow down that fast. As they deployed their twin parachutes, Force's Castro Syntec Mustang suddenly veered to the right into Bernstein's lane and slammed it into his car. The impact was catastrophic. Force's car was torn in half instantly. One half kept rolling down the track as the other smashed into the retaining wall at over 275 miles per hour. Force's daughter, Ashley, also a funny car racer, was near the finish line. She ran full speed while the half of the car that had been rolling down the track landed in the sand pit. But when she got there, she realized it was just the motor and nose. There was no cockpit. Would John Force survive this deadly serious funny car crash? Where did John Forrest come from, and how did he dominate a niche automotive sport for decades? And why the heck are they called funny cars in the first place? Today on the podcast, Pass Gas gets serious as we finally dip our toes into the NHRA funny car scene. Pass Gas Podcast—it's about cars, it's not about sports. The cars don't sound very funny. They sound dangerous and scary. It sounds like the opposite of funny. Yeah, funny is like, ha ha, this sounds like, whoa, baby. Like, I understand what funny is. Funny is like, ha ha. Like Will Forte. Will Forte is funny. Yeah, like a bear at a circus riding a bike. This is more like killing of a sacred deer funny or the lobster funny. Yeah, the point is we we know what's funny. This is TBS. We work at TBS. Yeah, we know funny. Yeah. yeah. That story was not funny. Not funny. That story was gut-wrenching. Yeah. Like, as Nolan was getting to the end of that intro, I was like, man, it's going to be really hard to, like, talk about this guy's huge teeth right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We set up the part where we're supposed to be, like, off the cuff and funny and have a good time and introduce each other and be like, hey, guys, excited to do it yeah. with, with, like, a cliffhanger. Did this guy just die in front of his daughter? As we do. As we <laughs> yeah. do. Or are we supposed to be like, oh, Nolan, what'd you have for breakfast now? Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. Making jokes seems downright disrespectful. Yeah. Would you say it would be forced 
Yeah, John Forrest. Nice. Okay, spoiler spoiler alert, he survived. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts. We've got Joe Weber. Hey ho ho. And James Pumphrey. What's up, America? How you been, baby? You can always follow my co-hosts at Joe G. Weber, at James Pumphrey. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Boys, how we doing today? Dude, just excited to make more content. Yeah, I'm trying to whip this up. Uh, Whip it it up. (laughs) Dude, I love making content. Let's whip up this content like some fresh ricotta. Fresh ricotta. Hello, America. How you been, baby? That's my new one. They're all great. Boys, I'm excited. We're shooting this thing. We're we're recording this podcast at about 3 p.m. Normally, we do it at 9 a.m., yeah, I'm really curious to see how the dynamic has will change. Yeah, the market's already closed on the east coast, so <laughs> yeah, so Joe can close that window. <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know, normally Joe is day trading the entire time during the show. That's why I'm mm-hmm. always like half a step behind everyone. Yeah, because you're just banking that bank. Yeah. Dude. Oh, what? Uh, oh, Lucid stock is up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about this guy who died. <laughs> no, he didn't die. I know. I just want to, everyone, relax. He did not die. John Force is with us to spoil the ending to that bookend. Not the ending of the story, but the, the bookend. Yeah, today we're talking about John Force, one of the most legendary figures, not only in funny car racing, I would say in all of drag racing. Certainly one of the, the most boisterous, most recognizable dudes in the scene uh i've seen him in the flesh at out there at famoso raceway during i believe it was march meet uh back like 10 years ago probably now i've seen him in the flesh too oh yeah yeah in phoenix that's right when you went out with the uh the snap-on team yeah when i raced a funny car that's right on foot we made a video <laughs> that we never released or i raced a funny car on foot we called it funny car versus funny guy it's one of the best things we ever made, I think. It's really great. Uh, we're going to try to get that out. Maybe have some bonus content for the Donut Underground subscription service. That would be cool. Because I think it's a funny video still. Holds up really well. We watched it a couple days ago. Uh, anyway, funny cars. They are, they are cool. Guys, what do you know about John Force already? I know that everybody has a friend with a dad who looks like John Force. <laughs> That is 100% true. I've never thought of it. You know what I mean? Like the blade sunglasses, the big teeth, the like kind of like slick back white hair. Yep. They have like a nice wooden deck. Oh, yeah. And they like host like barbecue stuff. Like they definitely threw a big old graduation party. Oh, you know the forces love to barbecue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, what about you? You Have you ever, are you, you uh, were you a fan of uh, driving force back on A&E? Can't say I ever watched it. I was a uh, Monster Garage boy. <laughs> All of my free time was taken up by Monster Garage. Big shout out to Arts and Entertainment Network. Let's get into the story of the man, the myth, the legend, John Force. Well, it's very obvious to say that there's nothing funny about funny car racing. The very unique class of custom-built, fire-breathing, snarling monsters designed as factory cars won the hearts and minds of race fans all across North America. I will say right now, funny car, best class of dragster. They might not be as fast as the top fuel cars, but they're more fun to watch. Those things are squirrely. Why are they squirrely? Well, I'll tell you. Funny cars differ from the standard uh, carrot with wing-shaped drag cars in a lot of ways. First, they have a, uh, a fiberglass or carbon fiber body that hinges backwards, upwards, that is molded to have an uncanny valley appearance of a modern or classic muscle car, but just kind of puffed out a lot. Very aerodynamic. The body acts as the arrow on these cars, pushes them into the track. Yeah, they look like a doorstop. Yes. <laughs> if a doorstop looked like a, a Supra, basically. Mm-hmm. Back in the 1970s, funny cars were a bit more eye-catching. They used the general shapes of Barracudas, Vegas, Torinos, and molded them into these elongated wedges with painted-on headlights. Right now, some of the top funny cars are molded to look like Hellcats, Mustang GTs, 
and a very weird-looking Supra. It looks like a fish you'd find at the bottom of the ocean. The carbon fiber bodies alone will set back a racer close to $70,000. Under the tilt-up body is a fully custom-made chassis, which is closely regulated by the NHRA. Again, that's the National Hot Rod Association. They dictate that the wheelbase cannot exceed 125 inches, which is 25 inches shorter than an NA Miata. Wow. Yeah, these things are stubby. The chassis must also be made from exactly 179 and three-quarter feet of 4130 chromoly tubing and weigh 125 pounds. Shisha. It's true. It sounds downright funny. It is. Nice, dude. Oh, now I get yeah. it. <laughs> and because the chassis is all custom built, it'll set a racer back about 25 grand. So we're already at... Nearly $100,000, and we only have a body and tube chassis. But those are just the body and frame rules. That's the skin and the skeleton. Yes. We, we still need to talk about the muscle, though, James, and the brain. The brain and the heart. And that's right. The other bar- parts of the body. The guts. <laughs> the little Nas tank is the adrenaline grand. The adrenal grand. The adrenal grand. We got to talk about the stinky guts <laughs> and the butthole just shooting out nitromethane, burning <laughs> your eyes with all them powerful farts. Dude, sometimes Nolan's exhaust is so potent it burns my eyes. I eat a lot of veggies. That's why. <laughs> We get in that writer's room, I say, get me out of here. (laughs) We don't have a writer's room. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Things get pretty granular when it comes to the engine. First, the engine cannot exceed 500 cubic inches. And the most common one used is a copy of the Chrysler 426 Hemi. There can be no more than two valves per cylinders, and the heads must be machined billet aluminum without water jackets, so they don't run any coolant. Due to the high heat of methanol fuel and the 1,000-foot-long stretch of racetrack, it's a wonder that these things don't melt down by the time they get to the end of the track. They're not running for very long. If you think about it, the hair is like the Alcantara. (laughs) Yes. The only supercharger style allowed is Roots, which was patented in 1860 as a type of air pump for use in blast furnaces and other industrial machines. So... Somewhere along the way, they said, hey, let's see if we can use this little device here to put more air into the engine. And well, bam, they made a blower. They also have to wrap these blowers in ballistic blankets because they are prone to sudden explosions that have killed people. In the event of a Kevlar strap failure on one of these blankets holding it down to the engine block, a blower can be sent 100 feet in the air. Sheet. Yeah. I've seen a blower pop off, but luckily the, the, the Kevlar, the straps have kept it on. Uh, I've never seen one fly like that. Seen it on TV, never in person. Uh, the crankshafts are CNC machined and carved from a single piece of steel billet and then nitrided to make them even harder. Intake valves are carved from titanium and exhaust valves are made from a custom material called Inconel, which is a nickel chromium based super alloy that retains a strength harder than stainless steel during extreme heats. But all this gets even cooler when you start looking at the fuel system. Extreme would be an understatement. During a single run, which is starting the engine, doing a burnout, staging the car, and then driving 1,000 feet, the car will burn 15 gallons of fuel. Nowadays, these cars run 1,000 foot. They don't do quarter mile anymore, but they do it in just over three and a half seconds. The 15 gallons that they're burning is 90% nitromethane and 10% methanol. And the fuel-to-air mix can be one-to-one with a compression ratio around six-to-one. That's really low compression, huh? Yeah. But the, that nitromethane, the reason they use nitromethane is because it has its own oxygen molecule. that It just brings air with it. So you're getting a very powerful explosion because of that. It also, when it burns, it uh, kind of has properties of tear gas. That's why guy, like guys in the pits, when they're warming up a car, they'll have, they'll have gas masks on, respirators on. So you can actually like focus while you're tuning the car. Otherwise, you'd, you'd be crying, and it'll make you hack real bad. Eesh. It can asphyxiate you. No, thanks. I'll stick to project cars, too. <laughs> Out back, the funny cars have a fixed gear ratio of 3.2 to 1, which is a pretty good all-around gear ratio. 
and it came standard on a handful of 1966 Mustangs. They've got a reverse gear for backing up to the starting line after doing big smoky burnouts, and instead of a regular transmission that couldn't possibly hold up the power of these engines, they have a complex multi-plate centrifugal clutch that achieves gradual engagement up to 330 miles per hour. Whoa. There's like these arms with weights on them, and you can tune the weights, but that controls the centrifugal pressure that the arms exert on the clutch plates. I think on these funny cars, I think these cars run, I want to say seven plates, if I'm, not, if I'm mistaken, seven or eight. And the heat and friction generated during a pass is so great that the clutches, these discs, actually weld themselves together. And if you're a clutch guy, you better be wearing some gloves right after the car comes off the track because those sons of guns are hot. Clutch guy's usually like the coolest guy on the team, to be honest. Dude, I don't have a chance. She's dating a clutch guy. I wasn't a clutch guy. <laughs> yeah. So what does all that fancy motor stuff do? Well, it's good for about 8,000 horsepower and 7,000 foot-pounds of torque, as well as a launch of six Gs. Dude, Bill Gates loves that. <laughs> Which is <laughs> twice as much as the space shuttle. Eat that, Neil Armstrong, you little... <laughs> Because Funny Car launches rank somewhere between Space Shuttle and as fast as a jet can go at full speed, there are a lot of safety devices. They have custom roll cages, automated fire extinguishers, and two parachutes that deploy at the finish line to slowly guide the vehicles to a stop. The brakes are pretty decent too, but those, uh, those parachutes are really what do all the work. And the chutes aren't automated. There's usually a little latch, like a handle that you push at the end of your run. You got to do it yourself. DIY. Like we mentioned before, like a couple years or a few years ago at this point, uh, we went down to Phoenix and we like shot this video that we called it funny guy versus funny car. And I raced a funny car on foot. Yeah. And when we got there, like I had never been to uh, like a nitro drag race before. Mm -hmm. And like everybody I, I met was like, have you heard them yet? And I was like, no, they're like, oh. <laughs> all right <laughs> and i was like okay i get it like they're loud like it's a loud car but then when we finally got down to the track like it is so much louder mm -hmm. than you could even imagine <laughs> i have never felt like mm -hmm. it it's it literally shakes your bones yeah mm -hmm. like it is such like a multi multi-sensorial experience to watch this kind of racing. And, and I've seen a lot of different kinds of racing. Like I've been to NASCAR, been to Indy, been to F1. I've been to, you know, formula drift. I've seen like a lot of racing and it's all loud, but nothing <laughs> compares to how earthquakey. And then the fuel literally just makes you cry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just dumping fuel out of the, out of the open headers. And like you're, eyes are just like weeping and when i lined like we we're they're having problems with the car all day it was like a, a test day before the race when we shot this video so like we couldn't get a good pass couldn't get a good pass couldn't shoot couldn't shoot and then finally at the end of the day they're like i think we're gonna get one run in you guys have one shot at this so we got down there and like i'm wearing this like puma like <laughs> sprinter suit um i got called the other f word by someone on the way to the starting line uh, and then I forgot to put my ear plug in. Oh my God. And so like, I was about six feet away from oh, no. the car, but like, there's no way for anyone to understand how loud these things are until you actually experience it. It's so loud that it like you, you, your body just has a response to it without even thinking about it. And it's just tense. It's like it's so loud that the the noise itself turns into physical energy, right? Yeah, uh, which is something you don't experience very often. Like your ears, like it's so loud that your ears, your ears, like have a limit of how loud they can hear things. I think so. Just like it cuts off there, and then that that noise gets translated into just reverberations through your your skeleton. Your ears actually have a natural response to loud noises where they shrink, like the ear canal shrinks. And it turns into like natural compression. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like what Nolan's saying is like, it's like, you don't feel it in your gut. You don't mm -hmm. feel it. Like you feel it in your skeleton. 
Like, and I don't think I've ever felt my skeleton before. Like, I was aware of my bones. <laughs> uh, so, with all that said, if this sounds cool to you, you should definitely go to an NHRA event sometime yes. in your life. Support motorsport. It's so it's so cool, dude. It's it's so cool. We'll be right back with more of this story, but first, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The origin story of funny cars begins with top fuel drag cars of the early 60s. These super long, (laughs) I want to reiterate, super long, 300-inch wheelbase wedges were fueled by those same 500-cubic-inch monster motors that would accelerate the vehicle from starting line to quarter mile in well under four seconds and more than 300 miles per hour. In the mid-60s, a couple of drag masters by the names of Jim Nelson and Dode Martin. <laughs> probably probably Dodie Martin. Dude. Dude. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. It's pronounced Dodie. A couple of drag masters by the names of Jim Nelson and Dodie Martin took a long, hard look at those top fuel drag cars and thought, you know what? Those bodies are a little silly. Why can't we go that fast in a normal car? So they set about uh, figuring out how to do so. These two guys grabbed a handful of 1964 Dodge 330 Max wedges and yanked the 426 Hemis and dropped in stroked 480 cubic inch top gas engines. Not the same kind used in top fuel dragsters, which made them technically funny gassers (laughs) and not top fuel cars. But... These cars were turning out high 10 quarter mile times with speeds above 130 miles per hour, while super stock cars of the time were only hitting 120 miles per hour, 11 second quarter mile runs. This earned a big yeehaw all around. People like going faster. People like 10 second cars. That reminds me, man, you both owe me a 10 second car. What? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I thought we talked about this. I thought No, we can talk about it off air, but like you both owe me a 10-second car. <sighs> All right. Is this how you treat family? Yeah, come on, man. You can have any beer as long as it's a Corona. In 1965, <laughs> Dandy <laughs> God, I wish I lived back then, man. <laughs> In 1965, Dandy Dick Landy was the first person to compete in what would eventually become the funny car class. He rolled a 1964 Dodge Coronet onto the green line and blew some freaking minds by posting 10 second quarter miles at 130 miles per hour at the Riverside Dragway, 50 miles east of Los Angeles, where we currently reside. I think that's cool, too, with like a lot of these old racing stories that we cover like this stuff happened like right down the street from our houses and like yeah. right down the street from the donut uh studio 
It's very cool to me. I mean, there used to be tracks all over SoCal, um, like Lions Drag Strip over in Long Beach. Mm -hmm. uh, Rivers, the aforementioned Riverside had a like one of the longest road courses in America, uh, oh. and it was that was like a legendary course. And your grandpa was hanging out with all these dudes, right? My grandpa did work for Keith Black for a little bit. Um, my great uncle, Uncle Bob, uh, was one of Keith Black's um, master engine builders. Uh, they went into business together, and Keith Black Race Engines supplied a lot of these engines for a lot of the guys that we're uh, talking about here. So, yeah. So Nolan's uncle like built the motors we're talking about in this episode. Yeah. His grunkle. pretty cool. Very likely, yeah. Great uncle, yeah. Bob. But it wasn't just the neck-breaking speed that caught everyone's attention. These cars looked a little funny. <laughs> <laughs> the body was entirely fiberglass over a lightweight body structure. Chrysler's engineers then tossed out the rule books and started messing around with the wheelbase. They shoved the front wheels 10 inches forward to the point where they almost touched the front bumper. And in the back, they slid the axle 15 inches forward, leaving almost 25% of the car's butt hanging in the wind. Yeah, they're pretty weird looking. Indeed, Nolan. They did look funny, but the speeds that they brought to the table <laughs> was deadly serious. Right? Oh. Like a Will Forte character. <laughs> uh, Dandy Dick made a name for himself with huge wheel stands and big W's on the board. That year, he won 39 out of 40 meets. Whoa. Doesn't even seem fun. <laughs> uh, the NHRA treated them like the savour du jour and tried to legislate them away so they could get back to normal drag racing. So they shoved them in the fuel dragster classes to compete against cars that weighed half as much and had twice the horsepower. But Dandy Dick Landy wasn't the kind <laughs> of guy to stay down. Dude, I wish my name was Dandy Dick Landy. You're Big Jim Pumphrey. Yeah, it's Big Jim Guarantee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is this a new development? No, this is, a, this is one of our oldest bits. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Big Jim Guarantee. <laughs> I, I think someone asked me, like, what would you be doing if you stayed in Louisville? I was like, I'd probably work at a car dealership. Yeah. And I'd be like, Big Jim's Ford. Big Jim Shelbyville Ford. Get, your Good your cars. gimmick is that you like if you can do some sort of dare, then they have to buy the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I finish they, this ten pounds of tuna raw tuna, then you got to buy this Ford Econoline. Or like I have yeah. Or like in the inverse, like I have, like if you can finish this twelve pound burrito in <laughs> under forty five minutes, <laughs> I'll give you the extended warranty for free, and I'll knock ten k off the asking price. Oh, that's, that's a big cool. gym guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, folks, and that means the turkey challenge is back. If you can eat a 10-pound bird in under four hours. That's a tiny turkey. <laughs> yeah, you get 0% financing with zero, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three months after these rules were put into place, uh, the Ford factory-backed Saxon Sun whipped together a 1964 Mercury Comet powered by a supercharged single overhead cam 427. The Comet debuted at Indianapolis with a 10.2-second quarter at 156 miles per. And even though he was destroyed during elimination because of the class he was placed in, the Comet received higher critical acclaim than licorice pizza. Whoa. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> After all the standing ovations and praise, racers from all over the place wanted a piece of the budding funny car scene. The NHRA couldn't stop what was coming. Arnie and Farmer Beswick and Gary Dyer dropped out of their classes and built funny cars from a GTO and another Coronet, respectively. They wanted some of that sweet, sweet high-speed wheelie money. So what it sounds like at this time, because we're not at like the fiberglass body John Force days yet... These are people that are taking cars that you could have bought and doing everything to make them not road cars anymore, but still retain the, the shape of the car and, and running ridiculous times, too. Yeah, cars were body on frame back then. So you could essentially pop the top off, right? And then modify the frame like you could move the wheelbase. Right. 
around, you know, like they were saying, like you move the front wheels up, they move the rear wheels up. You basically change the entire structure of the car and then you just plop the body back on. And, you know, naturally it's way more exciting because it looks like a car that you could buy at a dealership, but it's going 156 miles an hour in a quarter mile. Yeah. If it's, if you saw it driving past you on, you know, Riverside Boulevard, you'd be like, something's a little bit funny about that car. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into any conclusions, but I think that car is a little bit funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, it's the same thing that was going on in NASCAR at the time. Like stock car racing did mean that it meant like stock car. Um, although they were modified a, a fair amount, just like these. I mean, these are insane, but you know, as the years go on, we're going to see that these cars evolve into more of like a tube chassis car with a big fiberglass body on it, you know, like, right. Much like NASCAR now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Records were shattered and dandy Dick Landy popped back up with an all new ride that had some uh, improvements. Bud Falbel, Butch Leal, Socks and Martin, the Golden Commandos, and even <laughs> Lee Smith himself. Lee Smith? Yes. Lee Smith? Lee Smith, my boy. Lee Smith showed up got to Lee race Smith. alongside old Dandy Dick Landy. With over a dozen teams competing, the NHRA had to react. Those were the days, man. Yeah. Socks and Martin? Dude, Socks. And Martin, I'm talking Butch Leal, bro. And then Lee Smith just shows up like, hey, guys, I'm here to race. It's like, like, Lee, you you son of a... (laughs) I knew you couldn't stay away. All these guys are from Southern California, but they all have Southern accents. Yeah. (laughs) Inexplicably. And then Dandy's like, my life is a movie. (laughs) Whoa, (laughs) this is a movie. (laughs) The NHRA flirted with a funny car class and stuck Dandy Dick Landy and the others into place. And by 1969, nice, they had established the funny car eliminator class where everyone had a new home for their silly, funny race cars. That was the same year that Jim Little showed up to a race with a flip-up fiberglass body. Uh Uh-oh. And the rest is history. Oh, man. There it is. Dude, can you imagine, like, you guys are all, like, you're just, like, having fun. And it really does seem like the genesis of this sport was just a bunch of dudes who were, like, really, really good at, like, the top thing. Like, mm-hmm. kind of pulling it back a little bit and being, like, you know, this is actually more fun. Like, messing around with this crap. Mm-hmm. And, then, like, some dude shows up and is, like, yo, guys, check this out. And they're, like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to give you a nickname. <laughs> Jim, you crazy son of a... How about Big Jim Little? (laughs) (laughs) That's the Big Jim Little guarantee. (laughs) History needs a hero, and that's where the perfectly named John Force comes onto the scene. Force, one of six children, was born in Bell Gardens, a suburb of Los Angeles, and was raised traveling all over the place where he lived between logging camps, Indian reservations, migrant farms, and trailer parks. As a child, Force barely survived a devastating bout of polio through years of therapy and dedicated care from his family. But by high school, Force was strong enough to land on the football team and then wound up at Cerritos College. Dude, this is basically my life story. (laughs) After college, Force launched into his true calling, driving in a straight line at incredibly high speeds. Throughout the 70s, he sat on benches at tons of drag events with dreams of burnouts in his eyes. Then he got some scratch together and got on track. But Force, who wasn't yet the king of funny cars by a long shot, had to struggle with having a bad reputation as an unskilled dragster driver throughout the 70s and late 80s. Didn't help that he would also drive one of the weirdest funny cars to ever exist. Jack Crispin was a man with a dream. And it included the body of a Mach 1 Mustang and the undercarriage of a funny car. Chrisman sat down at his desk and started sketching out his ideas. Chrisman was the man responsible for bringing supercharged nitro stuff engines to the funny car scene. And he'd been a dragster pioneer throughout the 50s and 60s. In fact, some of the cars that we've talked about already were built by Jack Chrisman. Notably the Saxon Sons 64 Comet. Now he wanted to relive his best years with a Sidewinder drag car. 
the Sidewinder concept was pretty simple. You stuff a massive engine behind the driver, but mount it sideways. Think of uh, Lamborghini Mira or some other supercars with a longitudinally mounted or transverse mounted engine. Why was this? Well, when you rev a standard V8 muscle car, you can feel the whole car twist in the opposite direction of the crankshaft's rotation. That's all those horses and torques spinning in one direction. But with a sidewinder configuration, the engine's torque helps the tires bite harder instead of forcing the whole car to pull sideways. Bite like a sidewinder snake into a leg. That's right, Joe. But there are always downsides, and Chrisman's Mustang suffered from nearly all of them. Rear axles love to explode due to all the torque. And worst of all, the chain that connected the engine to the rear axle was a particularly dangerous weak point because when it snapped, it would send big, fat, lethal chain links flying at spectators and judges. It didn't have an engine shaft. It was chain-driven. One such incident led to John Force's expulsion from Irwindale Speedway when he eventually took ownership of the car. Crispin had a custom chain forged with a 22,000-pound capacity to withstand the 1,500 ponies the engine put out, but it still, it still snapped like a rubber band. Crispin told Hot Rod Magazine, quote, It's like a giant go-kart, a slot racer, or, you know. Uh, <laughs> I saw that right there. Crispin told Hot Rod Magazine, quote, the car's like a giant <laughs> go-kart or slot racer. No difference. Explained Crispin in the article. <laughs> what we have here is a motor, a clutch, a chain, and a live rear axle. No drive shaft, two speed, or rear end problems. <laughs> oh, but there were problems, and the problems were winning. And while John Force was driving, there was no winning to be done. It took Force nine long years to get a win, and it wasn't behind the wheel of the Night Stalker Mustang. Uh, so what happened was this car didn't really work at all because the chain drive, the issues we just mentioned, the car was not long uh, for life. Uh, but Crispin had it. He still held on to it, and he, put it, he parked it outside of his business, and John Force was driving by one day, and John Force is out here, you know, he's going to drag events in, like, what would be, you know, like, in door cars, like, just drag cars. Uh, but he wanted to transition to the funny car uh, real bad, but he didn't have the money to do it. So he drives by Crispin's business, sees this car out front, and says, hey, is this thing for sale? Crispin lets it go for pretty cheap because it's not a very good car, and John Force drives it only a handful of times before selling it. He paints the body in a nice black and gets some uh, letters on the side, calls it the Night Stalker, and eventually he sells the car to some sand drag guy, and then John moves on from that to try to get in a real car that's going to do some real, real driving. What's sand drag? Well, they're those guys in Star Wars. They're like... <laughs> Tuscan Raiders? <laughs> yeah. They always travel on a straight line, so you can never count their numbers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ironically, the, yeah, these, these sand drag guys do travel in a straight line. Um, sand drag is, is just exactly what it sounds like. Drag racing on sand. They use paddle tires. The track isn't a quarter mile long. I think it's like, I don't even think it's an eighth mile long. I think it's like a sixteenth of a mile. But they just throw huge rooster tails of sand. And they use like regular cars. They don't use like sand rails. They use sand rails and other kind of like dragster style chassis but with paddle tires on them. Dude, I keep pitching high-low sandrail season. I think sandrails are the coolest thing in the world. They're like boats for the land. Another controversial take from James Pumphrey. Okay, fighter jets are the coolest thing in the world. Boats are the second coolest thing in the world. Sandrails are the third, horses, number four. I'm talking about vehicles, okay? Been a lot of, watching a lot of boat content. <laughs> you were watching a lot of fish content too the last time i talked to you i mean it kind of goes hand in hand man <laughs> yeah yeah you can't have one without the other boat content leads to fish content fish content leads back to boat content it's really just like beautiful uh <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests but right now a word from our sponsors 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For a decade, Force had been desperate for any kind of full-time tech help with his team because part-timers and putting in half-time clearly wasn't a winning plan. It wasn't until the mid-80s that Force finally turned things around with the help of Every name is cool. Austin Coyle, his brand new championship crew chief. Coyle had spent years wrenching on regular cars at dealerships where he learned if you do it wrong, you do it again without getting paid. Then he moved over to line mechanic work on an unknown drag team in nowhere, Illinois. Until that team suddenly became very widely known as the Chi-Town Hustler, which introduced nitro-breathing blown motors to the funny car circuit. Coyle did all the heavy lifting on the tech side, but he was also no slouch in the driver's seat, so he was a perfect complement to John Force's racing team. The two hit it off. Their budget was small, but their dreams, their dreams were big. <laughs> There's a lot of turmoil in those early days, and Coyle learned pretty quickly that it would be tough to maintain a normal relationship with someone as uniquely focused on wins as Force was. He wanted to finish first, and he wanted it done his way. Force was also a bit loco. They quickly scored some runner-up finishes, and then, as Coyle puts it, he got Force's mess sorted out. Then, in 1987, <laughs> Force and Coyle won their first NHRA national event in Montreal. They did it up in there in uh, Montreal, don't you know? We're going to Montreal! <laughs> I want to warn you that they speak French up there. That's Randy Savage. <laughs> John Force is sort of the Randy Savage of drag racing. Yeah. In the early days, Coyle told Motor Trend in 2015, Force was an absolute wild man. After the races, we'd drive from saloon to saloon in a station wagon, and he'd want to ride up top, hanging onto the roof rack like a dang crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, he added, uh, everyone was having a blast, sounds like. I mean, how could you not? How could you Sounds not? like a good time. And you know what, man? Sometimes you just got to let the good times roll. By the 90s, it wasn't all fun and games. But Forrest had driven his way to his first NHRA championship, and then the wild man managed to do it again in 1991. But 1992 saw the Coil and Force team lose to Cruz Pedregon, and stuff got real. Real fast. Cruz is the guy I raced. Back at the garage. That's right. Wait, really? Yeah, I've raced Cruz. on foot? Yeah, I was on foot and he was in the car. Whoa, man. I mean, that's your claim to fame. You should be in this script. <laughs> Dude, why aren't I in this script? John Forrest was a soft, cool breeze when everything went his way. But when the team lost, he became a dark storm crashing lightning onto people's heads. He gets so mad that he'd start blaming people's wives for his losses and addressing their shortcomings in public. During a notable trip in 1990, according to Coyle, Force was pissed about a loss and heard Coyle's wife talking about how married men shouldn't carry on the way Force's team did while they were on the road. Force pulled Coyle aside and told him to put her on a plane back home immediately. Coyle obliged and later on was approached by Force with an agreement written by his lawyer that banned Coyle's wife from any event where Team Force was showing up so they could party without judgment. Through all that, the two managed to still get along and win race after race. Force started making real money and building up more of a team. They were at a time when tech in the drag racing business and car business in general was booming. He and Coyle started developing and testing parts that led to new theories for improved performance. Force Racing started putting out hardware that changed the industry. They had enough cash to start building new types of manifolds to test in real time, which cost around $20,000 each. These new manifolds Coyle designed boosted horsepower and reduced drop cylinder problems greatly. It took other teams more than 18 months to figure out what they were doing and to copy the design. 
1997, huge corporate sponsors showed up on Funny Car's doorstep and changed the whole darn game. Kind of like what we talked about when uh, with Snake versus Mongoose. Up to that point, Force's team had been winning every year since 1993. They were the guys sponsors wanted to win over. Force, with his large team, was in a great position to play in the big leagues with sponsors like Hot Wheels and McDonald's. But most racers weren't. Anyone who's just a single person with a single car was pretty much out the door and couldn't compete. Although, you know, with funny cars, you do have to have a huge team. You can't just be a guy who shows up with just a car. That'd be too funny. No. <laughs> say, too funny. Get out of here. Get out of here. Go to the here. circus, idiot. Yeah, maybe you just go to the Hollywood Improv and get up on the stage. <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jim Carrey has a famous story about living in his car when he first moved to L.A. Yeah. Turns it out it was a funny, funny car. car. <laughs> yeah, it was a funny car. And he's trying to, he wanted to be a funny car driver, and he was trying to do the whole thing himself, and someone at the track was like, hey, it's pretty funny that you think you can do this. How about you go be a comedian? And he was like, huh. <laughs> I never thought huh. about that. I never thought about that. Maybe I'll be Ace Ventura. <laughs> during that time force spent a decade straight bringing home championships he won so often that he was accused of cheating many a time all in all force won 10 nhra funny card world championships from 1993 to 2002 between 1997 and 2006 force went to the final round in 105 out of 228 events and took home 61 wins he even qualified for all 10 big bug shootouts, which Force won in 2000 and 2006. This was the second golden era of drag racing. John Force, he was on top. But the second era came crashing down horde in early 2007 when one of Force's racers died in a horrible crash. Eric Medlin was a young driver and had been making a name for himself in funny car racing. He was a role model to Force's daughters. During a testing run, Medlin had a tire blow and enforced the car into such horrible wheel shake that it gave him irreparable brain damage. Oh, no. Four days later, he passed away from the hospital from his injuries. Well, that's wow. horrible. That's yeah, it's insane. insane. That was really sad. I remember that. The death of Medlin changed the face of racing safety overnight. Force created the Eric Medlin Project to refocus the racing scene on safety and got to work designing gear that would have saved Medlin's life if it had been in place. And six months later in Dallas, the death of Eric Medlin and the efforts that followed saved Force's life. That horrific crash where his car split apart and sent him careening into a wall resulting in major trauma and serious damage to his hands and legs, but he had no head injuries thanks to the cockpit changes that were made through the Eric Medlin project. Around this time, uh, I think before Eric's uh, passing, uh, racers were, were wearing Hans devices. Uh, since uh -huh. the death of uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr., that became the go-to safety equipment. But I believe the main change that the project helped bring forward was extra padding inside the chassis. If you look into Funny Car and Top Gear uh, cockpits, there's very little room for the helmet to move side to side. There's like a very thick thing of padding that the, the helmet sort of slots into. There's room, of course, for you to turn your head and kind of look around, but your head's not going to shake as much. It's very, it's very limited side-to-side -side movement. Forrest spent a month in the hospital and another 100 days getting daily physical training before he returned to the driver's seat for the 2008 season. But it was never the same. He came back to win two more championships in 2010 and 2013, but didn't go after wins with the same gusto. In 2018, he suffered another major crash and is refocused on running the team. I mean, the dude is like 65 years old. He's like 70 years old. He's been old forever. Yeah, I mean, to come back and win two more championships after that is very admirable. And, of course, we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, Ashley, his daughter, was driving. But uh, Ashley, of course, dr drove a funny car. And then Courtney drove a, a top fuel car. I believe he had another daughter that did the same. Oh, Brittany. Yeah, Courtney. You got Courtney, Ashley, and Brittany. And then his son-in-law, Robert Height, also drove. Like, pretty sweet. And they're all good, too. Yeah. I, I, that's one of the coolest things about drag racing is, like, a lot of the top athletes are women. Mm-hmm. Faster uh, 
reflexes, apparently. Yeah, reaction time. Better reaction time. Even though Force slowed down more in his old age, he leaves behind a major legacy that no one will be able to catch up to due to the dominance of so many multi-driver teams with fat stacks of cash leveling the playing field. In total, Force scored 154 event wins. The next winningest driver is Ron Caps with 68. Force existed at a unique time in the history of drag racing that allowed him to capitalize on emerging technology, create all new technology with coil, and use that to win race after race after race and have some good teeth while doing it. All right. We got a listener email here from Luca Stagnani. Luca writes, hey, guys, I'm from the Motor Valley in Italy. I live real close to the Ducati factory, and I would like an episode on Valentino Rossi now that he ended his MotoGP days. Great idea. Perfect. Approved. Approved. Green lit. Keep up the amazing work. When I listen to your videos, it feels like hanging out with American friends. That's what we're here for. Thank you, Luca. Thank you for your email. If you'd like to write to us, hit us up at pastgas at donutmedia.com with your comments, suggestions, and corrections if you have them. Yeah, that was a great story. That was fun. Follow my boys at James Pumphrey, at Joji Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. Leave a review and like the show on whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps us out. Be kind. See you next time. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.